What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today is Sunday, June 11th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 523 features Spot Tracks, Keith Smith. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is another new edition of Celtics Beat. You may have noticed, hey, like, where you guys been? You haven't been on for a little while. We haven't had a show since last week. Well, that is because we are now back to one show per week versus the two. Now that, of course, Celtics are done, we're getting into the offseason. Maybe at some point in time it does pick up. We get back to two a week. But right now, one per week, and uh, I, I hope I hope that's enough. I hope that's enough because, uh, you know, we're we're going to run out of takes and stuff pretty soon anyway if we start doing two a week during the offseason. I am Adam Kaufman. Evan Valenti's here. Keith Smith back on the program for the first time in a little while. I didn't actually uh, look back, Keith, to see when the last time was, but I know it has been too long, however it's been. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. So one thing, and Ev, we, you know, obviously we have a, a betting sponsor, and, and thank you so much to FanDuel, but we, uh, we we joke about this. We've been joking about this for years, that there is no safer bet that exists in the world <laughs> than the fact that some sort of Celtics-related news will drop sometime <laughs> between us recording and the show actually becoming public, or maybe even the show becomes public, but then there's something later on that night. Basically, inside 12 hours of a new show, something will happen. It's just, it's, uh, if Vegas had odds on it, it'd be like minus a thousand. It is reliable. And so the uh, case most recently was last week, which was, we did our show. We had our fun. It was a good one, I think. If you missed it, go back, check it out. It's all still relevant. <laughs> But the one thing we didn't get to hit on because it hadn't happened yet was the hire of Sam Cassell joining Joe Missoula's staff. And it is not just him now. We have had news since just, uh, what was it, earlier today, I think, as we sit yeah. here. Charles mm-hmm. Lee, formerly of the Bucks staff, longtime assistant, has joined as the lead assistant coach on Missoula's staff. And this is where I want to begin. There's a lot of stuff, guys, that we're going to get to. But the coaching staff in particular is where I want to begin because, Keith, something we had talked about with Dan Greenberg, with Jared Weiss, with others on this program, ever since the reports of this guy and that guy and this guy, they're, they're all going to flock to go to Houston and Ime Odoka's staff, is, is it a red flag that guys are leaving, you know, after one year with Joe Missoula, whether out of loyalty to Ime or, you know, just going to a rebuilding situation versus a contending situation, why are guys abandoning ship? And in the greater scope, is this a problem? Well, now you have someone in Sam Cassell, who's 
obviously a three-time champ as a player and been an assistant for almost 15 years at various stops under very good head coaches, even Doc Rivers. And Charles Lee, who has a, a championship in his own right as a coach and uh, has been around the game for a long time, more than a decade, and uh, his, is is a, a rising, very popular head coaching candidate around the league, a finalist for multiple positions just this offseason. So now all of a sudden you have two very experienced voices on Joe Missoula's staff, on Joe Missoula's bench, which uh, again lends credence to something I say all the time, which is generally Brad Stevens tells you what he's going to do and he just goes and does it. He said in the end of the year press conference, this was the objective, more more experience on the bench. He went and got Sam Cassell and Charles Lee, and obviously they're not done yet. I've rambled enough. Keith, how much do you like these new these these moves here for Boston? I, I think they're huge. I, I think these are two great additions for for the Celtics. They they needed to get more experience uh, on the staff. They they obviously did not get the former head coach, which is what a lot of people thought. And and yeah. I have been told that they they were hopeful that Steven Silas was going to join uh, the, the the staff. But then when Monty Williams got the job in Detroit. Uh, Silas had a chance to go there and be, be one of his top guys there. So, so move, move, moved on. So you can't blame him for that. Um, but you know, getting Sam Cassell, that was already big. And then landing Charles Lee, who he's kind of been on a little bit of the Ime Udoka, Will Hardy, Joe Mazula path in that he has been interviewing for jobs for years now. Hasn't landed one just yet, but it's, it's getting close, right? Where, where, and that's just kind of how it goes with these assistants, right? They, they go through periods of time where it is, you know, they're, they're up for a job, up for a job, up for a job. And then it finally pops through. And now, you know, I think if you're the Celtics, you have two really well-respected guys. I think they're probably going to add another coach or two. So let's see uh, what direction they go. Unlike randomly, oddly on Twitter, which I mean, right, it's Twitter, so we don't go too crazy. But people keep saying, you know, do you think they're going to hire Doc Rivers to join the staff? No, <laughs> Doc's not going to be an assistant coach. Like that's not not a thing he's going to do. If anything, he'll go back to broadcasting. Year. Before that's it. He'll that. take a year off, do TV, and then he'll probably try to get back into coaching if he even wants to. At this point, you know, it's he, he may be getting close to saying, nah, "I'm done with this whole thing." Uh, you know, as far as that side of side of life goes. But you know, it, it's just you know. They needed to do this. And I love what you said about Brad Stevens. You know, he kind of says, Hey, here's what we need to do. And then he kind of goes out and just get, gets it done. And my guess is this was one of those things for Brad of, Hey, let's get this wrapped up. So then we can move on to the draft. Then we can move on to free agency. And this is all kind of behind us and we're, we're ready to go. Obviously you want to have a staff in place for summer league and all that sort of stuff. And, and the Celtics are in really good shape. Now. So I love these moves. These were necessary moves, but the skeptic will say, and I'm sure there are plenty on Twitter, you've probably seen some of this in your mentions, the skeptic would say, okay, well, this is great. They got a lot of experience on Joe Missoula's staff. So as soon as Missoula lose five, you know, loses five straight games, it, which one of these guys is going to be lined up to replace him as, as interim head coach? I don't believe that is why they are here, obviously. I believe they are here to be supportive voices of Joe and and bring different strengths, you know, longevity, experience, Cassell as the former player. Both these guys know what it takes to win a championship because, again, they've done it, albeit in, in different capacities. They're, they're really rounding out Missoula's staff, and, and they're not done yet, as you acknowledge, but rounding out Missoula's staff with – you know, filling gaps that that he could not, he was just not capable at this stage of his career as a 34, 35-year-old of filling out himself. But does he in any way 
have to worry about guys kind of breathing down his neck because these are two guys that were brought in that would like to be head coaches in this league. I think there's some potential that that could be a thing, right? It's, it's, I think there's got to be at least partial motivation, probably from Charles Lee more than maybe Sam Cassell, where Lee had spent an outseason to be the lead assistant. And that's, that's a thing that happens now in the NBA. There's like, like been super amounts of title inflation, both on uh, front offices and coaching staffs. And part of it is because that's a way you can get somebody out of another situation. If, the, if it's just assistant coach to assistant coach, which for all, intents and purposes that's what it is but you can get them away from another organization by saying actually they're coming in as our associate head coach whatever that Mm -hmm. means right so it's just the lead assistant or whatever so for charles lee yeah i'm sure at least somewhere in the very back of his mind it is hey i'm next up right and if anything goes sideways and if this uh you know no matter what they do uh this offseason this you know super loaded team with talent you know any anything goes sideways on them um you know and they decide all right well we can't change all the players we got to switch out the coach i'm next up i slide over a chair and go but my guess is this was designed around now we're gonna come in here you know to support joe missoula and then if we do well Everybody does well, right? Because then when I interview next year for jobs, it'll be, hey, I, I, I'm not just for Lee. I'm not just successful under Mike Budenholzer, right? I've got experience now in another, under another coach in another organization. Um, same thing for Sam Cassell, right? It's not just Doc Rivers. I can coach under other guys and, you know, show, show their stuff that way. And that, that, that's big too. So uh, I think those are all really important things to factor in, you know, as we go into this year. But yeah, I mean, you're right. People are going to immediately say, you know, Pulley, you know, give him the job. You know, you said five straight losses. I think it's gonna be like two. You know, <laughs> when, you know, it was back to back games. People are gonna lose their mind before the fourth quarter is even over of that second game. You know, that's just, I mean, but that's that's just the reactionary nature of you know social media these days. I think most uh, NBA fans, casual fans, don't even have a clue who Charles Lee is. No, but if we're talking about Sam Cassell, I don't want to do the whole Patrick Ewing thing, but. Why do you suppose he's been an assistant for whatever it's been, 13, 14 years? You never hear Sam Cassell's name in the head coaching circuit, the the running for, for jobs. He's, I mean, he's probably interviewed for jobs and I've just forgotten, but I, there's, there's never, oh, Sam Cassell's, you know, kind of a, a rising, like it just sort of, whether he's been passed over a number of times or for some reason, teams collectively just don't view him as that guy, despite all of his experience coaching and as a player and as a champion, I'm just kind of wondering, I'm sort of wondering why he was available in the first place. Yeah. I mean, he was available because doc got fired, right. And Nick nurse is going to come in and have his own whole, you know, staff that he hires and he's in process on that, uh, you know, not now as well. So, but I remember this was probably, Doc was still with the Clippers, and I think Sam Cassell was with him with the Clippers. I, I apologize if, if I have this wrong, but I remember there was an interview and somebody said, you know, do you want to be a head coach? And his answer was very, um, you know, candid. Uh, this is Sam Cassell. And he said, I do. But eventually, he's like, I have a lot to learn from this side. And I think that's what it's been. It kind of took him a little while to get into the coaching side of things. Um, You know, I, I don't think he was somebody who immediately jumped in, you know, is the day one, you know, the, you know, retirement as a player. Um, I think it did take him a bit to get there. I think he did some kind of like that almost kind of 
coach consulting thing where it's like they show up twice a week or every time, you know, there's a homestand they're in the gym working with the guys or whatever. But then, you know, over the last couple of years, he has gotten, you know, his name pushed for a couple of these uh, head coach spots that have come up. I, I think the NBA is in a spot where now like it's become like the, the, young up and coming head coach is like the new like hot thing in the NBA. I mean, we, we have publications that write whole articles about that every year going into the season of these are the names to watch, you know, this year that are hottest on the, you know, assistant coach, you know, trends and all those things with that. I think Sam Cassell too has been a guy, I think he's wanted to stay in the NBA. I don't think he's had any interest in like, well, I could go the college route and probably you know, lead my own program there. And that and that's fine, right? Some guys are NBA guys, some guys are, you know, they're 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 happy to go the college route. So but overall, I think I think he's just you know moving kind of at his own own pace with this. And I you know that 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 doesn't give me any kind of concern or any kind of red flag or anything like that. I guess for me, uh, I mean, I, I view both of these hires as, as pretty big positives, especially the mm-hmm. Sam Cell one, because I think Boston you know, could learn something from a, some things from a really good guard, you know, maybe how to handle things at the end of games. And I think <laughs> great, uh, for JD Davison specifically, you know, uh, I read, I think it was, uh, the Kyle Newbick at that writes for the Philly voice. He had a really nice profile of, of Sam Cassell and what his departure means for Philly. And he was very complimentary of his work with Tyrese Maxey, which I think mm-hmm. is really important for Davison as we go on here. But the thing I think is interesting, and this is a question for both of you. I, I, you said it earlier, Keith, about how, you know, Sam Cassell, you know, isn't really part of Nick Nurse's team. He's not going to be part of Nick Nurse's staff. Nick Nurse is obviously picking that staff. It This felt more like Brad is picking two guys for Joe Missoula, not Joe Missoula is going out and getting his own staff. Is that a problem? Does that even matter? I, I feel like Joe not having – a say in the two guys that might take his job if he gets fired might cause a little weird tension, but at the same time, that might not well, matter it's, because it's there fairness, might be another professional. A say. What was that? You don't know that he didn't have a say. He, you well, know, he just we don't. Well, it's, it's, fair. it's like it's like how we talked about what was it last week with Greeny when when we were making the the sort of the comparison of of who does. Who does Joe Missoula know around the league? Like what relationships has he established at, you know, with such little experience thus far to where he can call like Ime could call up this guy, call up that guy. Brad, after a while, could call up this guy, call up that guy. You know, Joe was never in that position. He was barely an assistant. He was obviously a head coach for a year to this point. He doesn't have this Rolodex of coaches around the league that he really respects and has personal relationships with. I don't think that he could say, hey, do you want to come work on my staff? So I think... Uh, obviously I'll defer to Keith, but I think to some degree, you know, he kind of had to lean on Brad to like, yeah, like let's go get some experienced voices for the staff and, and lean on the relationships that, that you and the Celtics have. Yeah. I, in, in obviously I don't think, Brad is hiring anybody without Joe Missoula being okay with it, right? Because he's he's not just going to put guys on his staff and say, figure it out, right? Because Brad, I think Brad very much, my sense has been, not in the way of a uh, coach GM where it is like they're holding both roles, which is always a weird thing because they, mm-hmm. you know, the GM needs to be a little bit more forward uh, thinking and future focused where the coach is like, Hey, I got to win tonight. Um, you know, so give me the guys who can win tonight. But I think Brad still runs that position like a 
coach in some respects of, you know, Hey, I want to make sure, you know, we're, we're building continuity with the roster. I want to make sure we're doing uh, stuff, you know, for the coaches that are going to put them in the right place to succeed and all those sorts of things. So my guess is though, yeah, there probably was a little bit of, Hey, let me step in and help here because he has the bigger go in the wider connections. Uh, Missoula has been with the Celtics. That's been it, you know, for his run in the NBA uh, thus far. So, I mean, he's got connections, obviously any coach does. Um, But, you know, like he may came in with, you know, he played for multiple teams. He had coached a few different places. He had done a lot of stuff with the national team and those sorts of things, uh, both for uh, Team USA and for Nigeria. So that's a whole thing for him where, yeah, he could call up, you know, 10 other guys. And and we all made the jokes of like, oh, he's just dipping into the Oregon connections, right? Because yeah. everybody who's from Oregon, you know, the state, not necessarily the school. But, you know, he's pulling all those guys in. And that that was like a whole thing. So, so I think, you know, this is probably one where Brad, you know, helped at least along in the process and said hey we have a chance to get a couple of you guys and i'm sure at this point joe missoula was like look i have like three dudes left from last year still on the team like yeah i like, like hey, let's let's get guys let's get going so you know that that's that's you know probably all part of it and i'm sure with sam casello probably was you know a little bit of a hey i i you know, think was his last year with the celtics as a player if not, it was really close. Really, yeah, um, yeah, right. it was. Yeah, yeah. He, was he it a, a champion? With yeah, Boston. with the 08 team. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew he was. I couldn't remember if he played another year after that. But yeah, I'm sure he had. You know, uh, you know, built relationships with some people who were still around from then, mm-hmm. and you know that that all kind of becomes a whole whole thing there. And then, um, obviously, uh, um. Charles Lee's been been around and coached, you know, for for a long time. So I'm sure guys, you know, know him through Mike Budenholzer and all that other stuff, you know, there and you know as well as I mean, he was a player too, you know, before he got into coaching. So that, that's a you know another level of it. So I think all around, you know, this is um you know Brad helped, but I you know I'm sure Missoula was fully on board, you know, with this. This is why I think though. I guarantee he was going to be very cautious because a lot of people are like, well, go hire Frank Vogel, go hire Mike D'Antoni, go hire somebody else. Mm. Those are a lot easier where, if, you know, heck, that might be a you know bad half on opening night of, you know, hey, why is he the coach? You know, put, you know, move that guy over a seat. And I think now, you know, these are two assistant coaches, right? These are not the same as, hey, let, let's go, you know, tap, you know, a, a former successful head coach in there. And I think that there's probably a little bit of that there too of, hey, we don't want that to be every day it turns into this. And and we all know, you know, in the Boston media, it's going to start coming up of, you know, oh, there's rumors of, you know, inside sources say, you know, mm-hmm. former head coach X would love to, you know, be, would love to lead the team or is trying to take over power or you know, whatever it may be. Cause that's just kind of how the game is played in those situations. So coffee, real, real quick. Yeah, I don't want to bounce one more thing off, off, yeah. off you before we move on here in that same vein, would you, again, cause I, I feel like communication with Linus staff is very important mm-hmm. and Joe hasn't had a lot of time to make and create relationships like this in the league, would you rely on Sam Cassell and Charles Lee a little bit more than say like, Hey guys, who are some of the guys you've worked with over the years and that you've had a good relationship with that we can come in here. We can build some continuity here because that to me seems like maybe if we're going to let Brad have a little bit of say, and, and maybe we let the other two guys that have been around a little bit longer, have a little bit of say, but does that create let, a power? Let, let these let these two guys start to build out their future staff. Hey, I'm just saying <laughs> I, would it, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world because you need a way, you need a way to communicate the, whatever the game plan is correctly, easy uh, throughout an entire season. I feel like 
bringing a, a whole bunch of different voices in might be somewhat problematic versus having guys that have at least been around each other at one point in their life that might be somewhat valuable. Well, so I, I think to, to answer that question, I, I would assume Keith feels the same way, but obviously Keith, by all means, answer for yourself. But I, I think the I think the bottom line is you are just looking for a room of guys who can trust one another and be comfortable with one another and be vocal with one another. And, you know, you're not like Bill Belichick at this stage of his career, who seemingly just wants to be, you know, surrounded by yes men who aren't going to challenge him. You know, I, I think that Joe had to lean on Brad as you guys talked about to get some experienced voices in. And now that you have Sam and you have Charles, now it's okay. Collectively this group of, you know, and Brad's still in the mix. So this group of four people, who else do we want in this room that we are all comfortable with? And I, I think it, it goes from there. You know, it wouldn't, I don't have a specific name in mind and maybe Keith, you do, but I, it, it's not going to surprise me in the least that in a few days, an hour after this podcast, it comes out or, you know, in a week right and now. a half, you know, when we, when we find out the, the next hire down Missoula's bench that joins up is someone who has worked with one of these guys in the past or knows one of these played with one of these guys in the past or whatever it may be. Uh, yeah. I, I think there will be, I, I think comfort is going to be the name of the game to some degree, just in terms of personalities meshing, not, you know, Oh, they won't challenge one another or disagree or anything like that. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm inclined to think Keith that it's going to go that way. Yeah, that's exactly where, where I'm at with this. I think too, we need to recognize the last job only got filled yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday. So the Raptors right. job got filled Saturday. Um, so we're, we're now just starting to see, all right, well, now all the head coach spots are filled. Those coaches are going to evaluate, all right, who's still here from the former yeah. coaches staff? Who do we want to keep around? Who are we going to let go? How are we going to move in this direction? And then that's going to free up some other guys too. Like I, I've had a lot of people ask and a lot of people suggest, you know, what about Dave Yeager? You know, he was former head coach, really yeah. respected assistant on Doc Rivers staff. Well, we haven't heard anything yet because that could be one more Nick Nurse says, hey, I want a little continuity from last year's team. I'd like him to stick around. You know, this is a guy I'd like to have here uh, with, with me you know or maybe that just we haven't gotten there yet right and that'll that'll pop here in the next couple days and i think he'd be a really good addition to 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 the celtics so you know what we're gonna start to see more of that you know and as these guys land too um you know we're we're gonna see you know whether it be adrian griffin takes a you know former uh you know raptor staff for to to milwaukee with with him or um you know uh the the new um uh uh, Darko, uh, I think you say Ryakovich. Um, it's, t- it's, not t- Mil- it's not Milicek. <laughs> no, it is definitely not Darko Milicek. Different Darko. Um, it's uh, you know, I, I think he is. You know, well, we'll see if he takes anybody from the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. You know, with him, and he's also been you know around for a while doing some stuff too. So, so that's going to be you know, as we see different you know things fill out that way, that that'll you know leave some guys kind of without a spot. And you know, Boston, as we know right now, still you know looks like they have you know maybe two three spots to fill. So that that you know, I don't think they're done by any means. So what I'm really wondering, Keith and Evan, this is this is where I thought you were going to go with that last question was, you know, like camaraderie and collaboration, like that's that's all going to be important. And again, maybe these next hires are guys that Cassell or Lee have worked with in the past or like I said, played with in the past or whatever else. But what I'm wondering is going forward, and obviously, like this is still Joe Missoula's team, Joe Missoula's staff. He's sort of the end all be all in terms of where they are at 
philosophically. But I'm wondering what sort of influence these new voices in the room and on the bench have on the way they play, Keith. You know, is, is for instance, uh, is are we still going to be talking next year about three point rate? Or you know, are they going to have uh, a little bit more of a mid-range game. I know like people want to say the mid-range game in the NBA is dead. It's not dead. It's dead in Boston. You know, Boston was toward the the bottom of the league in terms of mid-range, uh, you know, chances or opportunities or attempts or whatever the word you want to use. But that's not necessarily true across the league. It's dwindling. It's it's less, but it's not as as non-existent as it was with the Celtics last year. You know, are they going to become as as good as like people quibble about sort of where Boston was at defensive defensively. Uh, pardon me. Choked up thinking about Boston. I can't get emotional. Are they really done? <laughs> um, you know, people, uh, you know, people think about the defense last year and sort of forget that they were still second in the league defensively by the end of the year. But you think back to all these patches where the defense just was not impressive. And so I'm, but, and it's like, well, they were defense first under Eme and they were offense first under Joe and you know, all of that. I'm wondering, be it Cassell, Lee, collaborative, new voices, whatever it is, Keith, how this all translates to style of play next year versus what we just saw, which again, generally was very effective, but obviously didn't get them all the way. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the job of an assistant coach is to, uh, help implement the head coach's vision, whatever that may be, but to also not just be a yes man, right? If Joe Missoula says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run everything next year through uh, Derek White post-ups. He probably had two all season this past year, but but that's going to be how we run the offense, right? I would hope Charles Lee and Sam Cassell would be like, uh, dude, you're crazy. Like, what are you <laughs> doing here you know or you know we're gonna open every game with you know uh luke Cornette on the other team's point guard just to throw him off like then that's you know that's hopefully their job there is gonna be hey no like that seems nuts but if his you know vision is hey the best way i think for us to play is to take a lot of three-pointers and to do these things then i think what their job is all right well how do we make sure those are better looks how do mm -hmm. we get more efficient in that that area and those kind of things um because you know ultimately it's the head coach's team right and they, they that's you know part part of it you know we see this all the time in sports where it is hey my job is to you know work with within the framework i'm given um with that but i i, I think i think you're gonna see them both influence you know fairly heavily and i think charles lee been a part of a bunch of teams that have built really really good defenses and i know they have Giannis, but they haven't always had the guys that I think the average person would look at and be like, man, what a dominant defensive team. That happened after they got Drew Holiday, after they got Brooke Lopez. But even years before that, he was on staffs with Mike Budenholzer where they built pretty good defenses um, mm -hmm. there. And then Sam Cassell, obviously, you know, I think for the bulk of his career was known as you know, one of the better defensive guards in the league. So, <clears throat> and he was a killer mid-range player for, for a long time. So I think you could definitely see some influence there to, hey, let's try to bend the game a little bit differently than we did last year. We don't have to be so, um, you know, I like to say hardcore on the 
the polls, right? It doesn't have to all be, you know, layups or three pointers. We we can, you know, mix in a little bit of the stuff in the middle, be able to go go from there. My personal hope is just someone, anyone, you know, pushes, hey, can we play a little bit faster throughout the mm-hmm. course of the entire game? Um, instead of just, you know, all right, well, we're up by five with you know, seven minutes left. All right, let's walk it up and not take a shot before there's two seconds left in the clock. Like that, that could not be a repeat of you know what we've seen. But I say that and it's been, you know, three head coaches in like five years of it. So I don't know that that's actually going to change. Guys, it feels like it's been months since the Celtics have played a basketball game. And as it turns out, it's crazy to think about it. Boston could still be playing. This this could still be a thing had uh, the Celtics not lost in seven games to Miami. And Ev, as we know, the uh, the Heat, they were on the brink of elimination themselves at this point going up against the Nuggets. And fortunately, that gives us the opportunity to still bet on basketball. I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. So uh, do do tell us about the people kind enough to have us here. Yeah, let's take a quick break and tell you today's show is brought, brought to you and powered by FanDuel. Make a fast break, break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs right now because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. There's not much left in terms of the NBA to bet on right now, but there's always future stuff. There's always more sports coming up, and you can get $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. And I threw out earlier today on the Twitter sphere uh, my it's not it's not only like a same game parlay it's just a cross sport parlay. Okay, uh, I'm planting my flag, and both these series are over uh, territory here. So I put together a little cross sport uh, parlay: Nuggets minus nine with the Vegas Knights minus one and a half plus three eighty one. Just throwing it out there. The the juice not not, not only to win and close their respective series, but covering. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, it's look. I'm just throwing it out there. It's it's an idea. Uh, it's it's just uh, a way to to get some more juice on two teams that look like they're just destined to win titles. So, just it's maybe one last gaps to make a little little decent money on it. And uh, I, I'm just throwing the idea out there. If you want to sprinkle, not all, not your entire bankroll. Okay, maybe throw a little shekel or two on that. Again, it's a great payout. Again, uh, you're talking over plus three hundred for that. So. Again, two teams that seem destined to, to win the title between those two. They seem uh, unbeatable at this point. You get great promotions every day at FanDuel. It's a safe, secure, easy app to use to talk about how all the time in my walks with my dog, I'll be placing SGPs. And you get paid instantly. There's no better way to place all your wagers on all the playoff action in the NBA than America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel. Go visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash Boston FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 
1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Gambling helpline at MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, one eight seven seven eight hope and y or text hope and y that's four six seven three six nine in New York one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred Wyoming or visit eighteen hundred gambler dot net in West Virginia. Okay, so part of the reason that uh, Keith Smith is here from Spot Track from the NBA front office show as well with Trevor Lane, you should make sure you check that out. I have uh, Keith's probably thinking like, man, he's been texting me a lot. I've been bugging Keith. Basically, since the Celtics got eliminated, come back on the pod because. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He has a, a uh, in addition to being a great guest, obviously, and we love having him on, he has a, a really keen understanding of all things salary cap in the NBA. And this with this new CBA, and we've only sort of scratched the surface of this, Keith, in part because our knowledge is limited, and also in part because, as Brad Stevens acknowledged, NBA teams don't have the full scope of what this thing is going to look like yet. So there's only so much we can dive into it. But the overwhelming conversation around it as it relates to the Celtics is, okay, what does this mean for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, supermaxing both and actually putting a competitive team around them? So I know there are many an article to come in uh, in the weeks and months to come, and you've already started, obviously, and digging into all of this. But just from a roster construction standpoint, what is your view of how Boston should proceed in the wake of a conference finals loss and whether you want to call it a failure or disappointment or whatever word you want to use very clearly did not reach the point that we expected the seas to reach this year. Yeah. And I'll start there. Cause I get asked that a lot as you know, I'm sure you guys do as people covering the team is, you know, was this season a failure? And yeah, you know, I didn't, I, I know the irrational fans and everybody says, you know, it's, you know, any, anytime you don't have a ring or you raise a banner, it's a failure of a season. I mean, Hand up, I'm the guy who was sitting in uh, the arena in Arizona when the Patriots lost an undefeated season and was like, should have just won 0-16 and got the first pick. You know, what a waste of a year, you know, and that's <laughs> complete ridiculousness, right? Like, I, you know, but it's, you know, so I'm not going to say it was a fit. disappointment, 100%. That can't, can't deny, right? Definitely a disappointing season, but getting a game from the finals, even if the path there was a little weird, like that's to me not a failure of a year. That said... In this new CBA, I'm going to give kind of a general, like, kind of CBA for the league as a whole, and then I'll talk Celtic specific. This CBA is designed to create parity. Um, that's really what they're driving towards in the NBA. They don't want teams that are spending salary plus taxes combined of, you know, half a billion dollars in a season. They don't want that anymore. They don't want Warriors, Clippers, and where the Nets were trending towards before they uh, broke the team up over the course of the last year plus. They also don't want teams that are sitting way under the salary floor and then only 
reaching the floor towards the end of the year or just say, no, it's fine. We'll pay out the penalty or whatever it is. They really want everybody spending basically between the salary cap and the first like level of the tax like that that's where they want all the teams to kind of sit in an ideal world so what they've done is they've introduced a whole host of penalties on the expensive teams trying to push them down they've introduced a whole bunch of let's call them incentives or things to push the other teams up trying to get everybody to the middle right that's where you want everybody to be so for the Celtics, they are trending towards this side of that ledger of being one of the most expensive teams in the league. They're already there. They are super expensive. They went deep. We can no longer say, and I was one of the people who said it all the time, of I don't want to hear any more about ownership saying, you know, hey, if you know, we'll spend you know, when we have a contender and then never doing it. They did it this year. They went all in, right? They, you know, it is reasonably all in as you could expect. You know, they're going to pay a massive tax bill. They're set up to do it again next year. Where that leaves the Celtics, though, is this current offseason, very few of these new rules will start on July 1st when this new CBA kicks in, at least as far as we know right now. To your point, the CBA itself, it's not out there. It's June 11th, and the, the final, you know, edition is not, out for consumption just yet we have we have a nearly 100 page term sheet that explains all the things that they're putting in but there's definitely details in there that we don't know so i'm going to caveat all that with some of these things could change slightly but this coming off season which we're we're in right but effectively starts on july 1st with the new cba the only real penalty for being what i call a super tax team. That's those teams that are above that second apron um, level there. The most expensive team league is you can't use any exceptions. That that's really what it is. You can't use, you, you have no signing exceptions. All the trade rules are still there. All the ability to uh, do anything you want to do all still the same. They're basically giving those teams a grace period year to say, Hey, if you want, you have one year to get all your stuff in order. Figure it out. Get it all in line. Next year, summer 2024. So a year from now, we're sitting there talking. It gonna, it's going to get really restrictive on teams. And why that becomes a challenge for the Celtics is that is year one of a potential five-year super max extension for Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum's on a max deal. And then you have a whole bunch of guys still on the roster that make between 10 and let's call it 20 three million dollars i'm on the roster so you throw jalen brown in that mix you get super expensive a year later we could be into jason tatum is now also on a super max deal which ultimately would pay the two of them roughly a hundred million dollars between the two of them in um you know that they're they're uh you know so-called super max deals which is even then that'll still be Two thirds, you know, ish of the the salary cap in that range, um, you know, of that, you know, maybe slightly less than than that. It might might be more like two, you know, fifths of it or mm-hmm. so. But but it'll be be really really close. Um, you know, or I'm sorry, like like you know, in that range though, just very tough to build around two guys making a hundred million dollars combined. So what happens here is. For the Celtics, they have to operate as, well, we're a title contender, right? Nobody can argue that. So we want to be a title contender. How do we stay a title contender? While knowing if we don't offer Jalen Brown the Supermax, we run the risk of pissing him off. Pardon my French. And then he says, 
See you later then. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with all of this. Um, while also looking at, all right, if we do that, can we then build out a functional roster knowing hey, we can do whatever we need to do this year, but in a year from now, we're going to be able to fill out the roster in a competitive way around those guys. And that's on top of just dealing with normal things like Grant Williams free agency, you know, and those sorts of things that, that are just, you know, every summer, uh, you know, occurrences. So, so you run into a spot if you're the Celtics of, and we got a lot of work to do and we got to almost live in two different worlds. We got to live in today and we got to be planning for next year, the year after the year after that. And that's where it gets, you know, very complicated and very tricky uh, for Boston to figure this thing out. Yeah. It, hmm. it seems to me the, the Celtics are going to have a, a problem that's not really super unique where they have to pay two guys a ton of money. Yep. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the teams in the finals right now, right? Jimmy Butler and, and Bam are the two guys you probably pay on the Heat, and you probably, you know, believe in the Heat culture enough to, to surround those two guys with enough. I mean, they've done it the best of anybody. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Caleb Martin not hitting a single shot this particular series has been really tough to watch, but he was nails both against the Knicks and against the Celtics. Gabe Vincent has been tremendous, and he's made a considerable amount of money this postseason. So it's going to be hard for them to retain that team. I mean, look at Denver. Uh, they're probably paying Murray and they're probably paying Jokic. I mean, at some point, you know, the, the leaves are going to fall off that tree, so to speak. So I, as much as we kind of analyze Boston's predicament of paying two top 20 guys a lot of money, well, I think a lot of teams are going to be in the same boat. I don't know. And maybe Denver can get away with it because Jokic is just a special supreme talent that maybe – you don't need a, a second superstar or a second star. Maybe you can save on the margins by getting him players that just fit better with him. But I feel like, Keith, a lot of these teams are going to have this problem. Like like down in your neck of the woods, the Magic are going to probably pick Pablo Bancaro and Franz Wagner to, 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 to pay and then figure it out with the rest of the roster. I mean, it's just eventually we're going to all have this collective problem. I feel like we're all overreacting to – a situation that affects Boston in a, in, a, in a great way, but at the same time, Keith, it might affect a lot of other teams in the NBA too. Yeah, it really is going to, it's, it's, you know, we're kind of used to, I would say over the last decade plus, the, the really the last two CBAs were, were, were really geared towards player retention, right? They introduced the idea of these super max extensions and designated players and all these things that you can do to make it easier to keep your guys. So what happened is we got into this world where we, you know, if, if we go way back, right, part of the reason everything kind of went sideways before is teams were doing stupid things like signing guys to eight, nine, ten-year contracts, right? And that was a huge mess. Then they said, eh, we can't do that anymore. You know, we're going to limit everything to a four-year deal. Well, then nobody liked it because it was like, man, my team changes every two seasons. Like, I don't know who's, you know, on this team. So then they kind of felt like they hit it good. But then you had teams like the Warriors and the Clippers and, you know, where the Nets were, were heading towards that were like, yeah, I don't care. You know, it's, yeah, I'll pay, you know, half a billion dollars for my roster this year because, you know what, I have it. I can. You know, why not? I want to win a championship. Let's keep going. And you had a bunch of the other teams. They were like, oh, that's getting a little too crazy for us, right? We we can't get there. Now, from the player's side, because it's there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown out there, and it's very unfair, especially as new things leak out about the CBA and that, where it's like, you know, what was CJ McCollum doing as the, you know, players, you know, 
my rep there. And what, what were all these other guys doing? You know, why, why are we in this spa? You know, this is ridiculous. You know, and they, they're really hammering on the players and they took such a bad deal. Well, they get a lot of other things, right? They, they can buy equity into the league and the teams as a whole um, now, you know, which is massive that they've never had that before. They can do all sorts of investment uh, and um, endorsement opportunities that didn't exist to them before. So they're going to be just fine. At the end of the day, the players get half the money anyway. Right. So, to take it back to your point, though, Evan, is, yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of teams that are in this boat, either right now or two years from now, three years from now. Even a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder that has drafted so well and is mm-hmm. almost completely homegrown, they're going to run into, and we saw it, right? We just saw them do a trade where they traded a whole bunch of picks to kind of kick a, kick a pick down the line. And the reason they do that is because you look at it and you say, you know what? Like we can't roster everybody. And even if we hit on all, we can't pay them all. It's impossible, right? We, we, we never could do that. But what this CBA Those has done. are going to run into a problem before they're even good. And, and yeah. that's, that, that may happen, right? That, that's, that's, that, that definitely is, is part of it. Cause I mean, SGA is already getting paid, right? And you're, you're going to be sitting there. I mean, it's funny to think about, but we're, we are a year from talking about Chet Holmgren, like, who hasn't even played a game yet because he misses his entire rookie year. Like I already said it into the last year before he's extension eligible, which is just like bonkers, right? Like it, yeah. it, it, it's just how fast things move. But what, what they did do was right. Cause everybody says, Oh, this rule was made to break up the warriors, right? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make sure the warriors can't be good. Well, what the NBA said is, look, we're not going to say you can't, if you draft great, you want to resign everybody that you ever drafted go nuts. Right. You can do that. What you can't do is resign everybody and then go out of Dante DiVincenzo for the taxpayer mid level sure. exception on top of that. And, you know, all right, well, you know, we resigned Jordan Poole, but he's not really working out. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to combine Poole's 30 million with this guy and we're going to go get a $40 million player. They're, they're not going to allow those things anymore. Right. They're going to basically kind of crack down and say, hey, if if you if you can draft better than anybody else can and you hit on it and you pay them all and it's all going great, that's awesome. But then what we're gonna do is say you can resign all, but you you're you're then draft picks, minimum contracts, that's it. That's where we're going. And that's where a whole bunch of these teams are headed. So you're absolutely right in saying Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it's not just the Celtics. Well, first of all, how dare you dump on Travis Knight's seven-year deal? <laughs> that, that's just let's just get that out of the way right. secondly uh you know it's people need to remember and and you outlined as much but just as a refresher for people that it's not about the amount of money they're making it's about percentage of cap that Correct. ultimately like danny ainge is sort of the one that started to really you know trumpet that for everybody and that's that's you know, it, it's always good, I think, to remind fans that, yeah, if he's making whatever, $60 million a year, like, hey, good for you. But that's a credit to where the league is at and the deal the players negotiated for themselves and, and the union and everything. But percentage of cap is what matters. If and I so can, not- Adam, sorry, mm-hmm. just for anybody who, like, 
still maybe that's like, yeah, I know, but I need to see it. We actually, that's on spot track on every single one of our salary pages. We had, we added the percentage of the cap for that exact reason, because we wanted people to be able to understand that easier. The full salary is still there. You can see it, but if you go to any team salary page, you'll see it and like pull up the Celtics and it'll show you player, you know, X percentage of the cap, uh, you know, is what that dollar amount translates. That's to. a huge addition. So thank you for pointing that out. That's I, I will be spending some time with spot track and, <laughs> and reviewing a little bit of that. Uh, Cause I do always find that interesting, but like when you say Tatum Brown, two thirds of your cap, obviously once you get into the second apron, which is again, where they're at and where they're seemingly going to be for a little bit, then it's really more like if I'm not mistaken, 50% of your cap, as opposed to, you know, so you have, a, a ish right you have a little, little bit yeah more it, it'll yeah it will never really be two-thirds because you know the, as much as the salaries um the first year salary is is for both of them will be you know and we're assuming here obviously that jam brown's gonna get the super max it's not as easy as saying well brown gets 35 percent and tatum gets 35 percent, so that's 70 percent of the cap right. it's not quite that easy because that's first year salary the cap is projected to go up more than the um, right. salaries will so yeah so we, we should still be in a spot where they're they're gonna make yeah it'll be down in the 50 percent range or like i said the 40 percent range eventually over time so i'm just gonna I'm sort of going to run with this until it's not a thing. And it's not like in, in the same way that Patriots fans of, of, of a certain generation for years, it was the whole in bill we trust. Uh, well, I, I guess the equivalent here would be in Brad, I believe. And what I mean by that is I believe that Brad Stevens is going to do what he says he's going to do until he doesn't because the, the whatever couple year period that he has been hobo, you know, president of basketball operations generally he has done exactly what he's outlined you know whether it's in terms of the way he wants to build out the roster or we talked about Missoula's staff uh, last offseason Evan and I brought it up a number of times you know he came out of the the playoff loss to the Warriors and, and talked about adding shooting and offense off the bench and depth is like he was he was telegraphing Brogdon and moves like that and so until that I bring that up for this reason. I just, Brad was asked about Jalen Brown. And on the one hand, what's he going to say? Is he not going to say like, yeah, we want Jalen Brown back. Uh, yep. Sure. But I don't know when, when he says like Jalen's a part of the fabric of what we're doing and we want guys that's, you know, that complement the Jays. And, and this is like, we believe that, that he is a part of our future and all again. Yeah. He's been rumored to be on, on the trade block for years and under multiple regimes. I get it. But, there is no doubt in my mind the Celtics are offering Jalen Brown the Supermax. That's to start. Now, you can quibble with whether you believe that's because they want him or they want the asset, but they're absolutely offering the deal. There's no universe in which the Celtics are not offering Jalen Brown the Supermax deal. For people talking heads out there that want to say, oh, he's not that guy, he's not worth that, you got to offer him less and just remind him of what his role is on this team, good luck. He will walk. He already feels immensely disrespected by the team and fan base in a and city in a multitude of ways. He is not going to settle for a dime less than the Supermax from Boston. It's not going to happen. So the deal is going to be made, and I believe he's going to take it. At that point in time, Keith, what is the move? Do you believe the Celtics, and as Brad has intimated, 
that they are going to build around the Jays and continue to do that, at least for the foreseeable future. I'm not saying for life, but for the next couple of years, this is your core, these two guys in particular, and you're going to surround these guys with what helps best get you over the hump. Or do you think that once he signs the deal, that's just another contract that you have the ability to trade? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Just, you know, I, I tend to try to remove all emotion from, from these things, and that's obviously not how it works. But I, well, when I look at it, I look at it, you know, in a way where as we get into these things, it becomes, so let's start with the fact, I want to add this to, in this new CBA world, it's not only I'm with you in Brad we trust, but I will also say there's nobody better to have than Mike Zarin on your staff that's mm-hmm. going to understand this stuff and have plan A, B, C, all the way through Z, you know, maybe even double A, like an Excel sheet ready to go if they need it for, you know, years down the line and all those things. Like he's going to have this pretty well gamed out and he'll understand all the impacts of these things before probably anybody else will. So now to, to your question there, and I'm with you, they're going to offer Jalen Brown the Supermax deal. It's just what you do. It is how it works. He is an all NBA level player. He will still retain every bit of tradability he has on that deal. You'll bar something catastrophic that we you know, can't even price in. So, so you offer it. The only time things get really sideways right now in the immediate is if he says no, because here's the thing, just so everybody understands, he cannot make any more money next year. He can only actually lose himself money. Either he is traded by the Celtics, which makes him no longer super max eligible, or he doesn't make all NBA again. And now he doesn't meet the qualifier for the designated veteran contract in that, that situation. So what ends up happening here is you get into a spot where you offer it to him. And if he says, no, I am 100% believe you need to immediately start the trade process right then. It needs to be, all right, you don't want to do it? No, there's no, well, let's run it back and see how it goes. Because that is a sign. He does not want to be here anymore. He is ready to move on. So that's part one of that. I don't think that's how it goes, though. I think they offer it. I think he accepts it. Mm-hmm. I've come to accept in the NBA, the way this all works now is, a player takes the most money he can get a year or two in. If he's not happy, he asks for a trade. Personally, soapbox moment here very briefly. I have no problem with that. Teams can trade players almost whenever they want, minus you know, very minor exceptions on no trade clauses and trade restrictions. I don't know why we you know think it's fine for teams to do that, but we get all up in arms when a player does it. Team enters into the exact same contract with the player as the player does with the team. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so there we are with that part of it. So now they you know, I think they do that. Then what has to be your question is, to your point is, how, no, not can we, it needs to be, how can we? Because it cannot be, can we build a functional team? Because if you're asking that, then you can't offer them a deal because <laughs> you don't even know if you can. So it needs to be, how can we? And then that's when you get Zarin, Austin Ainge, and, you know, Brad Stevens, they get to work right on what is, what do we need to do? I'm of the belief it will eventually cost the Celtics good players. I don't know that that will be right now, this summer. They may run it back more than they don't, barring Grant Williams getting some kind of crazy deal that they don't want to match um, in restricted free agency. But this team may look 
fairly similar with some moves around the edges. And I know people hate that, right? Because it's just like, oh, man, I want something new, right? But but I think they, they can very easily look at this and say, I mean, if we had shot better in a couple games against Miami, it doesn't even get to seven. We win in, you know, five or six games and we're in the finals and, you know, we're, we're, we're competing for, for a championship. So, so you have that ability, right? So that's where now I tend to think, and I've said this, if they're going to lose anybody outside of Grant Williams, who's a free agent mm-hmm. this off season, I think it's Malcolm Brogdon. I think that's the natural guy to look at. And maybe that's crazy. He's coming off six man of the year, but I look at it as one stayed healthy mostly, right? He got hurt in the finals, but turned in a mostly healthy season. That is the first time he's done that since his rookie year in the league. So color me skeptical. That's going to continue. Then I also look at it as, you know, is he going to be as good? I mean, he was really, really good this past season. So that becomes another question mark. And I think, I have no problem with what he said at the end of the year when he was asked about his role. And he said, yeah, you know, of course I'd rather start. I don't have a problem with that because everybody rather would, but it was, but he made it pretty clear. This is not ideal for him. Right. So I think if there's an opportunity, clear up some long-term salary, clean up the, the books a little bit, rebalance the roster, you know, move on. I think that's the guy, but I'm not even convinced that happens. I think there's a more likely chance other than moves around the edges of the rotation and probably Peyton Pritchard being somewhere else just to kind of, if nothing else, do right by him. I think I think this team could look very similar next season to what it looks like right now. And I don't even know if that's even a bad thing. Have anything to add before we call this a show? No, I mean, we could go on Malcolm Brogdon for a while, but we already got in trouble for that. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Yeah, we've we've done that. We've we've already upset the people. I'm, I'm just saying, uh, I, I Keith made a lot of my points, but said it a little bit nicer than I did. So look, I I was just I was screwing around on social media earlier today, and I I scrolled upon a uh, I, I think it was our our buddy B Rob on the Winning Plays podcast, part of the CLNS network, and I'm not sure who his guest was, but the whole question uh, around the talking point was is was Malcolm brogdon's contract a blunder you know it was like the brogdon blunder was the way that it was it was promoted on social media and i'm like we've done this we've done this show we 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 talked about this this two weeks ago if i can no like he was he won six man of the year and they got within a game of the finals it's fine you know, like it's uh, like I'm not. I mean, what well, do people like Aaron Neesmith and Daniel Tice that much? Right. You no, know, and, and and I think what people sort of miss Keith in the point, and and even those who maybe listened to it missed it in the point was, we never said Malcolm Brogdon is a bad player or had a bad season. The whole point was, if you dig deeper into the metrics, you could certainly question, you know, some some of his uh, analytics, but. More to the point, because yes, he was the sixth man of the year and he had some very good playoff games before he got hurt and became unplayable. The point was the contract in all likelihood is going to age badly. Yes. And that's what people seem to have trouble stomaching right now. That's where I'm at. That, that's why I just, you know, I, I envision a world where they run it back and Peyton Pritchard is now gone. And then Marcus Smart has his annual injury that costs him, you know, two weeks or longer. And then Brogdon is also on the shelf for, you know, half the season, which has been more of his trend than not. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's 
all right, well, Derek White's playing 45 minutes a night because we don't have another ball handler that's healthy. And all of a sudden, all that great depth you had is kind of out the window where, you know, it's, you know, where, where do you go with this? You know, and we, we've been there Yama before with this That's team. where you go. <laughs> Could be, right? We Beggar on. Yeah, those guys are going to have to, like, not those two necessarily, but kind of to what Evan was saying about this whole new world we're going into, you're going to have to hit on your draft picks. The, yeah. the teams that are going to navigate this the best are the teams that either nail the draft every single year or the teams like Miami, and there's only a couple like Miami, that can pick off these undrafted and kind of wash out gems from other places, do the diamond mining process. Like a Max Struess, for instance. Yeah, Max Struess, yeah. Or, you know, if I go back to Brooklyn, right, when the first time they were rebuilding, Joe Harris and Spencer Dimley, right? Nobody thought those guys were good. Yeah. And, you know, they 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 got them in, they gave them minutes, and they moved it forward. So, you know, so we're in a spot where it's, you know, those are the teams that are going to do best here over the next, you know, four, five, six years um, until, you know, I, I do think eventually we're going to see some some uh, unintended consequences that teams are going to be like, wait a minute, we won't wait too far with with yeah. this is a little too, too restrictive. But the reality is the super tax, that's only a handful of teams every season. But what's going to happen is it's going to be teams that are going to be like, they're going to treat that like it's, you know, might as well have been a hard cap because teams are not going to want to go anywhere near it. And that's going to be the the part that's going to make things a little tricky with roster building. But you know, I trust that the Celtics will figure it out. Probably better than most. They've they've done well, you know, in the past with the way they build the roster. And you know, I trust them to write the make the right decisions until until they show me that they're not going to. Well, and to your point, this is a conversation for another show because we got to get out of here. But as far as just sort of rounding out your like hitting on your draft picks or rounding out your roster with rookie scale talent, uh, you know, it's and I'm not saying this guy's going to be a superstar all-star even a star but just we're talking like solid role player off your bench jd davison looks like he can play so walbert's favorite <laughs> see so ho- hopefully that is a case of a uh donnie donnie places his flag on jd davison island very 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 early i would give yes that. he did but but i love it man yeah hey i think just in general you're gonna see not just maine but all these g league teams just more and more and more. Portland, for example, has very famously said, nah, we're good. We don't want a G League team. We're good. We don't we don't see the value in it. And now all of a sudden with the new CBA coming in, hey, we're gonna have a G League team. Guess what? It's gonna start next year. Like we're <laughs> we're, we're all in yeah. on this because I think these teams are realizing like we're gonna have to use that. It's gonna have to be a real part of our roster building where all right, you know, we don't have game minutes here in the NBA. But go get your game minutes there. Practice with the NBA team. You're going to see a lot of people on that, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 95 you know, route up and down the coast between you know Boston and uh, in Maine, you know, just repeatedly because that's just you know that's going to be the way it works. I I call that the James Young Memorial Highway because that was you know the way it basically worked for him. But I, I think that's going to be a big part of this. With uh, Brendan Glasheen as the Uber driver. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, thanks, Keith, uh, for hopping back on with us. Keith Smith from Spot Track, of course. Uh, go go onto the site and check out Percentage of Cap. I'm very excited to do that. Once we get off this show, you can check out the NBA Front Office Show with Trevor Lane as well. Comes out weekly. They do the Friday show with uh, you know input from from listeners, guests. Uh, they've got a YouTube channel. They're very advanced. So make sure uh, you do check out that pod as well. Keith, thanks so much for hopping on. 
I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. Again, we are coming at you once a week. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Not because you have to, but because you enjoy the show and because we really appreciate it. And hopefully those things are uh, all true. We'll talk to you again after Denver wins a championship. See ya.